off top, the first six plays of Johnny Unitas's Hall of Fame career included two interceptions, one return for a touchdown, two fumbles, both returned for a touchdown, a 23-yard run, and an incomplete pass. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. What up, Charlie? I know you never heard that before. You don't know about Baltimore Colts legend Johnny Unitas. I just learned that uh, Johnny Unitas was the Nathan Peterman of his day. <laughs> he was. He Also, another thing I learned, I told you I'm reading this book uh, on and off um, about the history of the NFL. And Johnny Unitas, Baltimore football legend, drafted by the Steelers. Hmm. And the ninth round, they cut him, and supposedly uh, the Colts coach received a letter <laughs> from a fan saying, hey, this Unitas guy who plays in sandlight football games around here is pretty good. Why don't you give him a tryout? Gave him a tryout. He stunk, apparently, and then turned out to be good. Anyway, I don't know how we got down that rabbit hole. Actually, I do know how. I let us down it. Well, and who would have thought that, I don't know, six years later, the fade the high top fade to be back in style. The <laughs> Unitas is the most popular duo out there for quarterbacks. All right. So before the show started, um, I determined that there are two types of people in this world. People who like pimple pop videos and people who hate pimple pop videos. Which one are you, Charlie Kravitz? I could spend hours watching them. Oh. If algorithm, if you're listening, phone, if you're listening, give me more pimple popping videos along with chiropractic adjustments. Oh, yeah, you would be the same. I love it. I love a, a good ingrown hair pull. Oh, oh yes. Uh, assist removal. I, I, I draw the line. At, I, I draw the line at boils. Boils can freak me out. Yeah, you got to work your way up to a boil. I'm down with anything slightly medical. Um, so anyway, I have no effective transition to what I really want to talk about at the top of the show. So I'll just say transition. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, on Yeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DF. All right, so 
I was thinking a lot about Jokic and the number one Nuggets. And as we've discussed, I'm getting informed on basketball and it feels great. It is fun. And the Nuggets are fun. Jokic got his um, 100th triple-double against the lowly Houston Rockets, which apparently James Harden supposed to be coming back to them. But that's a whole nother conversation for another show at some point. But I'm watching them play and I got to be completely honest. They're the number one seed in the West. Their offense is incredible. Defense, not so much. They should be NBA Finals favorites, and I should view them as such, but I don't. And it's if I'm being completely honest, it's partially about the prestige of the franchise, I think. I'm trying to be honest about what happens, because I think what happens, I remember reading this book a long time ago about uh, I think it's Righteous Mind. It's one of my favorite books. Jonathan Haidt, uh, sociologist, wrote it. And it's a um, really good book. And it talks about how a lot of the opinions that we have, we just have them emotionally. And then we create like post hoc justifications for them afterwards. And then we pretend like that was the logical path that we took to get to our opinion. But I got to be honest, I can build a logical path for why I don't think the Nuggets will win the championship. But being completely honest, it's just my reaction. When I look at the Nuggets, I don't see a championship team. And and I know why. It's because I've come to understand a few like certainties about modern basketball. And you know how I feel about absolutes. So, of course, these are not absolutes. But there's a few things that you know is you need a dominant wing to win an NBA championship. There may be a couple aberrations like... Steph Curry last year. Yeah, 15, 15 Warriors, too. Yeah, yeah, that was, I mean, well, yeah, the 15 Warriors. Yeah, they had an exceptional team. And it used to be that you couldn't win with a small guard as your lead person, which I still believe is kind of a thing that exists. But, yeah, there are exceptions that prove the rule. But that's what I'm honestly seeing is as effective as Jokic is. And I know the offense runs through him. So when you say he's not a ball handler, that's not completely fair. I know the offense runs through him on the elbow and through the post. And and sometimes I actually, I watched uh, a couple of their games recently and he brings the ball up the court occasionally. (laughs) It just gets into the offense at the top, which is weird and wild, but I get it. But I noticed that right now the betting odds favorite to come out the West is the Suns. KD hasn't even played yet. By the time you listen to this, he already played. I'm going to be watching that right along with you guys. But I think that fans and odds makers are all like me and they look at Jokic and say, you're great, but your big three doesn't have a dominant two-way wing. Michael Porter Jr. is incredible. And because of his back issues, he slid to 14. Like he's an incredible offensive player, but he is not at, yeah, he's not at that level. And Jamal Murray qualifies as a small guard and he's also been playing really well. But that's that's honestly what it comes down to to me. And I, I don't know. I'd like to hear your reaction while I look through a list of NBA finals champs and see if I can find any other exceptions to my rule. You know what? You actually led me to a think piece. Nikola Jokic is the new Steph Curry. And the reason I say Ooh. that is it took us a while. Curry won his first MVP in 15. And it took us a while to be like, wow, this guy is maybe the best player in the NBA. Whatever you want to say about it. 16 LeBron taking it from him in the finals. So you, you know what I mean by the concept yeah, of Curry you. being one of the best best players of all time, best player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, but it took us a long time because we're like, that's not what it's supposed to look like. You're not supposed to be 6-1 shooting from somewhere. That doesn't work in the playoffs. Jokic is kind of doing the same thing. We're pointing at him and being like, 
that hasn't worked since Bill Walton won a title with the Blazers in 1976. Like a point center who doesn't, who's not a defensive vortex, who's not a two-way player. Like, okay, Shaq was an average defender. Shaq was the most de- devastating offensive force maybe in the history of the NBA. Yeah. That's the and last both, his, both of his championship runs were with dominant wings, though. Right. And like, but you look at every other center-led team, Duncan Robinson, both all-time defenders. Yeah. The defensive player of the year award should be named after Tim Duncan. That's for another yeah. discussion. Uh, Hakeem Olajuwon. championship runs. Yeah, he was an incredible. All-time defender. Kareem was the best defender in the NBA for a significant period of time. Bill Russell, obviously, best defensive player in the NBA. Maybe the best defensive player ever in the NBA. But so I think seeing Jokic do something completely different, scoring on 18-footers, shooting 70% in the paint, but none of them being dunks, uh, being the best being the best passer without him moving we've ever seen. It looks so weird because he he orchestrates a movement offense. Like when they played the Clippers and Kawhi was fucking balling. One of the three best players in the West, along with Durant and Jokic, was balling. And Jokic like led a symphony to win in overtime against that ISO heavy team. It's like, I don't even know what to make of this because we've never seen yeah. it before. And I think so. I'm with you. I like where your think piece is headed because the final conclusion is don't try to imitate it because you'll fall short is yeah. what the conclusion of the Steph Curry um, think piece would be. And obviously the same thing is true of Jokic because you're not going to find that player. But the difference in the championship team is I think the West is weak. And yeah. I don't think that this team can win a championship because all those teams that we talked about and the Curry team that we talked about, they were incredible at defense. They are not incredible at defense in large part because their big pivotal player is not a dominant two-way wing. <laughs> and, yeah. and I think that, or they don't have somebody that can be the focal point of a defense. And like Clay Thompson. I kind of like their defensive pieces. Like KCP is a good I, defender, good shooter. Eric Gordon's a really good defender. Mm-hmm. And Murray gets a lot of shit for it, but for like not being the same player he was before. He's an awesome defensive player. Porter Jr. is the big hole on the defense. He's the worst defensive player on the team. Most well equipped. The most well equipped to be great on defense. Which blows my mind. But yeah, I mean I understand that NBA defense is a lot more complicated than just like being long and athletic. And having good dudes that Single positions, yeah. Yeah, I think the hard things he has is like he's physically suited to guard anybody. Like uh, maybe not the quickest point guards in the league, but I think he like has the physical tools to do that. I mean, if you lined up the Nuggets and you had someone who has never watched NBA basketball uh, or the this team, ask them who the best offensive and defensive player on the team would be. Every single person would point at 6'10 alien Michael Porter Jr. And not a single one of them would put uh, point at doughy, scabby armed Jokic. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and another thing about the the Golden State Warriors comp and the Steph Curry comp is like this was not a high drafted or highly touted team like Jokic, as everybody knows, the second round pick 41st drafted overall. during a Taco Bell commercial <laughs> and Michael Porter slid in the draft because of back concerns, injury concerns to like uh, 14 and Jamal Murray is a seven. He's the highest drafted player they have. And normally you're not looking at the seventh spot as a guy to build around. Certainly not looking at the 41 spot, but what they've done out there is really impressive. So I guess what I want to get out of this conversation for you is where should I go? Should I stake out this ground of hot take that they won't win the title because that's what my heart tells me, or should I go ahead and get on board? And I guess how do most other people feel about this? Cause I don't feel this big, like 
interest in, I guess we left Giannis out of this conversation, but I consider Giannis a wing kind of like, I know he's a big man, but like he is kind of a dominant two way wing when they need a bucket, they give him the ball on the, on the, um, on the wing and let him go to work. To, to your point, you want to hear Giannis that, and by, by the way, like, I think it's clear Jokic and Giannis, the two best players in the world. That's not like a disrespect to Embiid, who's incredible also, but there's just like, there's levels to this shit and they reach a level slightly higher. Um, Giannis is averaging like 33, 12 and five numbers that haven't happened since Wilt. Yeah. Opponents are also shooting 41% against him with him as the primary defender, which is the lowest marker in the entire NBA. So you want to say dominant to a wing people can't score when Giannis guards them. So here's the, here's the, the, the take that I want to get on. So I think everyone, if Jokic wins the title, that's when people are going to be like, okay, undeniable. He's the guy he's got to do it in the playoffs in a winning sense. Um, I think that we're at the point where this dude by advanced metrics has had like three of the top 20 seasons of all time. I think that we, we put out the landscape title doesn't matter. We shouldn't be obsessed with ring cultures with, with him. We need to appreciate the fact that he's this good regardless. And he's not stat padding, despite that being a stupid debate that's on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. The stat padding. Yeah. It's not a debate. It's not a conversation. Like I, I think that it's obvious that players are aware of the numbers but when you make an accusation like stat padding, the assumption is that they are concerned about their numbers at the expense of everything else. That's not what you see from Jokic. So I don't think we have also, to that up. Oh, go ahead. Do you think, okay, he, to win the title, he's probably going to have to beat Kawhi, Kevin Durant, and either Tatum or Giannis. One, do you think that's possible? And two, what's the perception of Nikola Jokic if that Nuggets team does it? Because for that to happen also... You got to forget the last time this, this Nuggets team was sick. Jamal Murray was dropping 50 pieces in the NBA playoffs, like routinely. And like, if that happens again, what's the, what's the narrative going to be? And how's it going to look if this Nuggets team wins it? I, I have no idea. Like, I mean, you have to elevate him to the top. He has to be in that conversation, which I guess you we've already put him there with back-to-back MVPs. But as much as you want to pretend like we're smarter than rings culture, um, and I think Zach Lowe also agrees with you that we are smarter than ring culture now. I think that we are intellectually, but back to the emotional thing that I was saying earlier is like we res- respond emotionally. And while on a talent level and a regular season production level, he is on par with Giannis 15 years from now. He will not be on par with Giannis unless he wins a title. And no matter what you say about all these uh, us being more mature and understanding all this stuff, it doesn't matter. He won't be. They're going to go down to like big playoff performances, big time playoff games. And Giannis had a hyperextended knee and then came back and put up numbers. We're never going to forget that. Do you think that's wrong? Because I don't because wins are a superstar stat in the NBA. I don't think it's wrong, but I think that we are talking about Jokic like he is in the conversation with Giannis. He's not. You don't think he is? I think he is from a talent standpoint, but from a longevity, how he'll be remembered in his career, uh, to how he'll be remembered by uh, the league and by fans, he's going to have to do more in the playoffs. Like, I hate that I'm saying this. And so I guess to no, no, separate no, no. You, can, you convinced me. I've, I've already walked it back. I'm separating two things, how good he is and how he'll be remembered. So, like, yeah. there is no argument for the impact he has on the game. Like, all the stats show it. The eye test proves it. It's not explosive. He's seven feet and don't catch alley-oops. It's not. But it's pretty, 
and impressive in another way. And he's just as impactful or just as important to his team as just about anybody else in the league. However, if he does not win a championship, that will be a hole in his resume that will drag him. That will, that'll be a gap between him and Giannis that will only widen with time. And that's all I'm saying is while right now we agree that if they redrafted the league, he'd be one of the top one top players drafted. Yeah. When we look back. Yeah. When we look back on uh, the history of the league, if he doesn't have a title, uh, we're going to remember Giannis as this incredible highlight factory who won and remember Jokic as a really great player. I don't have to point to all the examples in the past. I think I'm right. You know what? I actually like, I came in wanting to be disagreeable about this. I completely agree. I actually think when you're, when you're this good rings culture should matter a little bit. Not that you have to win six, you know, like that's a ridiculous standard, but winning one, when you're that good, that should matter because that's actually showing up. That changed. We, we crapped on Giannis for his style of game, not working in the playoffs before he actually won. And right. granted, Jokic is slightly different because like his scoring just goes up once he reaches the postseason, even mm-hmm. if the success hasn't gotten past the conference finals. But like that standard should be fair for everyone. And if you're, yeah. and well, no, I, but like if you're going to be a top twenty player of all time, like someone who's then with Kevin Durant and Giannis right. and that tier, Kawhi Leonard, win. Yeah, that's what I all mean, the stats amount to. I agree. I guess a little bit, but I also would push back and say that I think Shaq calls them the others, but the team is the difference yes, yes. in the playoffs. I would say is like wins in the regular season is kind of a superstar stat. But when you look at the, the dynasties and the championship runs, those runs are made up by big games from people you didn't expect or consistent play from guys whose names will not be hung from the rafters. And it's fair, I think, to say that X player was incredible, but he didn't win a championship. Like, I always go back to the LeBron first seven years in Cleveland. Like, yeah, LeBron was amazing, especially at the end of that. And getting his team to the finals against the Spurs was just as impressive or just as difficult. I think as winning a championship was, but the everybody else was not there for him. And the same is true for the finals. He lost um, against the KD warriors. Yo, by the way, have you ever looked, I mean, do you remember how good LeBron was in 2009 against the magic when they lost that series? Yeah. That's the best basketball player. LeBron James has ever been and ever will be was in 2009 before he left. And he averaged, I think 41 a game against the Dwight Howard magic and he got that series ripped out from him by his team's incompetence and dan gilbert's incompetence of putting a real front office that could build a team around him i mean genuinely tragic if you look at those highlights he looks like an alien he met dwight howard at the rim on one of those blocks when dwight howard was like the apex predator of the nba dunking on everyone and lebron was a guard he was a gigantic point guard he wasn't like ATV LeBron yet that was built in Miami. Yeah. And I guess that's my point is it's not an individual sport. And I do think that actually regular season, you can jump on the back of a great player more easily Yeah, and the playoffs. And that's why it's kind of unfair to do rings. I get it. A, a great player has more impact in the NBA than probably any other team sport. And so it's okay to put more pressure on them to get to a certain point. But at the end of the day, it's going to be, 
who you have around you that separates you. But I don't know. It's it's not fair, but it's the way it's going to be. I have to be honest with you. If before you say what you're about to say, I got a question for you that will mm -hmm. pigeonhole you into being honest about how you feel about all of this Jokic stuff. If you had to bet an amount of money that you that was important to you or that's significant to you, who would win the championship or who will win the West? The Mavericks or the Suns? Who you the picking? Nuggets or the Suns? Nuggets I mean, my, Suns. Mavericks. Definitely not the Mavericks. Uh, the Nuggets or the Suns. Well, I guess not definitely not the Mavericks. But I wouldn't pick the, pick the Mavericks. The Nuggets or the Suns? Who would we you pick? We have a, a Mavericks. Uh, once the, if the Mavericks keeps firing, we'll have that conversation next yeah. week because that looks awful. Um, I would pick Nuggets over the Suns. Yeah. All right. And that's Kevin Durant is a absolute monster, and that team is going to be incredible. Um, but I just sort of like the offense that they're going to run. And yeah, I guess okay, it's not a if, fair comparison because one of my big or not a fair way to try to corner you into picking against your beloved nuggets, because my big knock on nuggets or one of my knocks on the nuggets is they aren't really a, a they don't have a two way guy and we're not sure what the sun's defense is going to look like yet. Yeah. I need a team that plays better defense. So the West is weak. The West, it was, it's not, the West isn't weak. They just don't have a dominant. They don't have the two dominant teams. They have a lot of. They're like the conference of pretty good right now. Yeah, that's that's. Yeah. You know what that means? Weak. Weak. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, also, by the way, the Suns could make me look. By the time this airs, I could look like an idiot because there could be this Suns offense right. playing tonight that has Chris Paul, Durant, and Booker running never-ending pick and rolls, and Aiton oh. only being a roller and rolling into oh. twenty-eight points a game instead of demanding post touches. And I'll, I'll wake up tomorrow and be like, Christina, please edit this out of the podcast. You take it down and put it back up. Um, so if that's the case, I apologize for everything that I said. But like at some point, like the beautiful basketball that worked with the Warriors and is seemingly working with the Nuggets offense right now, I want to believe that that is real. Yeah. And then they'll lose to the Celtics in the finals. I, I want to believe it too, but I just can't get over like the history of NBA basketball, like those kind of, um, not certainties, but almost certainties about championship-level teams. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, go ahead. Tangent off of this. Okay. Do you think it's right that we're gatekeeping the, the three straight MVPs? No, I don't think it's right that we're gatekeeping the three straight MVPs. I, I get it, but I think that it's fine to... And this is a way to, to appreciate someone who doesn't win a championship. If you earn MVP, I feel like you should get the MVP. I've always hated how MVP trophies are such narrative-based awards. And I appreciate that the narrative is a part of it, but it's so much about did you win it last year? Are you going to win it next year? Did we expect this from you? Like there are so many other factors that go into it other than like, who's the best in the NBA. And we've always talked about how they, they just couldn't keep giving it to Jordan. Why the hell not? If he was still the most valuable, keep giving it to him. You can't keep giving it to LeBron. But I think the LeBron one is probably a little fairer. I don't think he deserved it. He might've been the best player in the NBA those years, but I'm not sure they deserved it all the years that people think he deserves it. But um, yeah, I don't, I just don't believe in it. I guess if, if you would have given it to him, if the only reason why you're not voting for him is because he got it last two years, I think that's wrong. If you have some other rationale, then that somebody else means more to their team that um, I guess Embiid is just as impactful on defense as he is on offense. I can get behind that. 
But don't give me that. He won it twice already. He can't win it three times in a row because he's never won a title and no one else has done it. Well, he's, he's doing it. Yeah. Well, then the reason would be is because LeBron and Michael didn't do it. And like it's now like that's now the his- historical precedent that's set that the two best players of all time got passed over because of voter fatigue. And it'd be, you know, it's right, so we but- look at the it's, it's like it's like part of the NBA yearbook every year in this history book. The who in the I get it. MVP, NBA teams. Three wrongs don't make a right. <laughs> like I don't remember who won it, LeBron, which would have been LeBron's third year or Jordan's third year, but they probably deserved it, I guess. Or even if they didn't, and you guys just were tired of them and you were haters, don't be haters. They gave Derrick Rose an MVP oh, because was, LeBron. They didn't want LeBron yeah. to have one, and then yeah, in 2018, was, they gave one to Harden when LeBron played all 82 games and had a really comparable season. Those are the two. And Jordan, yeah, I yeah. I don't have the Jordan ones in front of me, but I'm sure there are several more. Those those were bad ones. Yeah. So, I mean, look back at yourself and be embarrassed. Like, I feel like a lot of um, MVP voters are now ashamed of the triple double Westbrook MVP that they gave out. You should be ashamed of stealing uh, MVPs from from LeBron and don't take it out on Jokic because you were a jackass back then. Um, Jokic, I, I'm not putting any money on it. I love Denver. I was drafted by the Broncos. I love that city. I'd love to see them have success, but I wouldn't bet any money on them winning a championship. Speaking of championships, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, they lost the Super Bowl safety nickel for the Eagles, and he tweeted in or, and deleted this morning some criticism of his uh, defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, who has taken over for the Cardinals, and he said that he didn't put them. Chauncey said that Gannon didn't put them in position to make plays, which is a common criticism of Gannon's kind of softer defense. It's not very aggressive. And uh, he deleted it. So maybe he was just and then I think he tweeted that he was going to going back to bed <laughs> afterwards. So maybe he was a little tired and he didn't mean anything, didn't mean much of it. I mean, didn't mean anything by it. But I don't know. I guess I find it interesting from a strategic standpoint, just because I don't know, like Chauncey had a tremendous amount of interceptions despite missing a bunch of games this year. Like he had a productive season, probably his best statistical season of his career. I'm not sure that it translated to like his actual best play uh, week in and week out, but statistically it's a great year. So it's hard to hear that from him, but also maybe we just don't want to hear from him because I feel like the criticism is probably a fair one of Jonathan Gannon. I, if I'm, I, I thought a lot of people have been critical of John, Jonathan Gannon and his defense yeah. in the second half of the Super Bowl. And then his weird press conference where he sounded like as very Sirianni like in this yeah. weird press conference. So I, I don't know. I kind of thought that a lot of people were on Chauncey Gardner Johnson's side here. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, I, I think him deleting it is what makes me think that he just didn't want to be in the middle of this. But Th- that's, that's, a- the fo- that, that's the football in him. If he's an yeah. NBA player, he's leaving it up. Yeah, he's he's a free agent right now, and I don't think it's going to impact his money because people like interceptions, and he got a lot of interceptions, so he'll get paid. Um, I think to push back to defend Jonathan Gannon a little bit is it's kind of how modern defense is played when you have um, the difference. I guess the, the, the fair criticism of him is you're not going to change anything. Like You don't have any other – you don't have a change-up. You don't have a curveball. You got a couple of pitches. I guess you got a fastball and a changeup. That's all you got. You don't got a curve or a slider. I don't do baseball, but you get it. A knuckler or whatever. Are those all the pictures? A cutter. What else we got? Is there a slurve in there? A who? A slider curve? 
Yeah, an Ephus pitch. Who knows? Get wild with it. Oh, the Negro brothers. They're knuckleballers. <laughs> All right. Um, so, I mean, I, I get it. When you have a dominant defensive line like that, you don't want to give a big plays. And I'm one who preaches this all the time is uh, the most important thing is to eliminate the big plays. And that's why that's how Jonathan Gannon defense is structured. However, when you are in a big time situation, you need to have something different, especially when you're going against really high level quarterback and high level level offense. And I've always said this about um, teams like the uh, the Chiefs is you need to have change ups from series to series almost. And we saw that once the the um, Chiefs figured out how to hurt the Eagles, they went back to it over and over and over again. And they had success on that same damn play three times before and it cost them the game if you're watching that game as a fan like i was it was incredibly obvious that the eagles had better players on their defense than the chiefs had on their offense outside of patrick mahomes but they were losing the battle of scheme and like so when that gets that that gets brought up weird timing but totally correct yeah yeah i would agree Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, well, the news that is not news that never stops is the Aaron Rodgers saga. Um, he does not have any further insight, which he said on the Aubrey Marcus podcast, which is not a sports podcast. This is the description of it. The Aubrey Marcus podcast is a destination for honest and vulnerable conversations about the deeper questions in life. The show blends humor with gravity and levity with depth as we explore mindset, psychedelics, holistic health, spiritual entrepreneurship, and relationships. Aubrey Marcus is the founder of the global distributor, blah, 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 blah. All right. So Aaron Rodgers went into the woods for two maybe four days <laughs> and, he, yeah. and he came out with no new decision but it does feel like the news around uh the packers facility it feels like they're done with him if i think he's gone yeah i think he's gone so some of his quotes are hilarious by the way yeah uh if you think i'm being a diva just to tune it out i've been yeah. here for 18 years that's a teenager it's like yeah you can connect your decision making process with that of a teenager um I spent times, spent parts of a couple of days imagining what it would be like to retire and then imagining what it would be like to continue to play. 
You don't say, Aaron. Really sage uh, wisdom you just imparted. And I've become, over the last few months, like an Aaron Rodgers defender because he's right. Like, he's, we're talking about him. He's not saying anything worth talking about, but we keep talking yeah. about him. And, like, we can't complain about him not giving us anything concrete. We don't have to talk about it. He's not even on ESPN saying this. As I mentioned, he was on a holistic, spiritual, psychedelic podcast, and we went and dug it up so we could talk about it. So, like, he's right. He, he doesn't have to share all this stuff, but we don't have to listen if it's not interesting, and it's certainly not interesting. What is interesting, though, is the growing, like, mumbling out of Green Bay that and they're Darlington. sick of his yeah. foolishness, and he's going to end up somewhere else, and that somewhere else feels very much like it's going to be the Jets. And that's worth talking about because I, I'm willing to chalk up last year's shortcomings to a bad thumb and a fluke for Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers on the Jets is a different situation. This is the consummate team sport, though. So it's going to require, I think, uh, the coaches to probably take a step up <laughs> because they were not great last year. And it's going to require that defense to repeat its performance from last season, which is not always the case for defenses from year to year. What's uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of situations. That'd be interesting. Cause okay, the AFC is a bloodbath. You're going to have to beat Burrow. You're going to have to beat Herbert. You're going to have to beat Mahomes. You're going to have to beat Josh Allen. Trevor Lawrence is emerging. Is that the best situation for him with the jets? What about the, the dolphins, New York giants? What, what do we think of as like the actual landing spot that can move the needle for the NFL? They can move it for the NFL. I mean, I think it's the Jets. Yeah. The fact of the matter is the needle for the NFL is feels like it's at the top. It feels like there's nothing that could happen from a like it's not like the NBA where moving a star yeah. could change. If you put a big time star um and on the Knicks, that that matters. And I mean, they have a big time star. Sorry, no disrespect. But you, that Jim. matters. <laughs> yeah. That's not the same in the NFL. I don't think that it matters that much. I think the Jets are probably the best roster that he has a realistic shot of going to because he has to go to AFC. Um, we understand that Packers. You think that's better than the Dolphins? Yeah, I think it's better than the Dolphins. It's not even about um, – I think the Dolphins receivers are better, but I think the rest of the talent around the Jets is probably better. Uh, I think the offensive line is better. Defense is better for sure. They have enough receivers. They have a running back. I I do think that's better. I think part of what you think about with um, Shanahan disciples and uh, I think McDaniel falls in this category is they can help elevate your quarterback's play. But when you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, I don't know that you need that that much. I'm not sure that Aaron Rodgers combined with McDaniel is going to be that much more impressive than a healthy Tua. Honestly, yeah. I do think that's a very huge. Really? Leap. Yeah. Yeah. Your Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill with Aaron Rodgers sounds magical. Did you see what numbers Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill put up last year? Yeah. Like when two is out there. So like it's not going to be that much better. I, I don't yeah. believe. I think they'll be fine. And I think the big difference for having somebody like Aaron Rodgers is um is that it's less pressure on the coach to scheme and whatnot. And that's kind of what I feel like McDaniel brings that is of huge value. But we'll see. We're way off. Well, do you think the Jets, they immediately become a team that's like really, really good, like Chiefs good? 
We'll see. No, not I just first taped you. I just first taped you. You did first take me. I refuse refuse to answer that question. Um, Instead, uh, Creed 3, you're going to go see it? Comes out on Friday. Hell yes, of course. Okay. Okay, good, good, good. I, I, my wife doesn't like going to movies, but I mentioned it to her and she said she's down. I think I'm going to use the next couple of days to, I got the two older kids. I think I can, Mm. I think I can get them hooked on Creed 1 and 2. But the six-year-old, uh, I'll throw it on in the house and see if I can get her to stop. But she might, we might have to get a babysitter for her and and go with uh, the top four to the movies and and see this fight. What's your uh, movie candy of choice? Movie candy of choice. I don't like candy. Oh, dude, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a popcorn guy. Movie theater popcorn, big thing, a bunch of crunch, Slurpee, fat boy season. Give me it all. <laughs> yeah i can lure the kids to the movie theater just by telling them that we can get some snacks but i like a big water and some heavily salted popcorn which i normally finish i also like this probably won't surprise you at all i like to get there before all the previews i like to see all the previews i i'm totally with you i love trailers i love trailers my wife my wife hates me because of it you know the it's they're called trailers because they used to come on after the movies didn't know that. Yep. Look it up. It's an off bottom. <laughs> off bottom. All right, Charlie. Appreciate it. Thanks, Sarah Abbott. Thanks, Adi Khan. Thanks, Christina Buswell. Bye, everybody. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.